I don't know if you know, but this is my first time of talking from the front. I um, don't know where to put my water. I've just about stopped shaking, I think. <laughs> so I don't know if it was Jess or Annie when they were little, they used to have a verse, um, a verse, no, a saying they used to come out with. Was it Annie about being nervous sighted? So nervous and excited. And I think that kind of sums it up. So I'm very, very excited to be here today. So please, if I ask you a question, be kind to me and interact, okay? That's, that's an order. Um, Paul, can you put the verse up um, for today, please? So when Laurie said, oh, you're on the rotor, and to do, a, to do a talk when I'm on holiday, I looked up what I'm preaching on. I was like, really? That's it? That's, that's all I get? <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say again, rejoice. And then we were away last week, and I spent a lot of time reading around this. And actually, I, I really get into reading different sources, different Bible versions, and, you know, um, quotes about things. And there's so much to this. So um, I've got pages and pages. So how long have you got this morning? Um, how long do you want to stay here? If I do talk on too long, um, James, I'm going to delegate to you. Just wave at me and say, Denise, come on now. Stop. <laughs> so I think we're probably three quarters of the way through Philippians. And Philippians 4, the title, certainly in my Bible, were the final exhortations of Paul writing to the Philippians. And I thought, final exhortations. So I had to go look up what that meant. And it was the final urgings. Like, I'm urging you to do this. I'm compelling you to do this. So this is about, I am compelling you to rejoice. What we've looked at so far on the, the mega themes, if you like, in um, Philippians. And we've, when did we start it? In, sometime in May. We've looked at humility, um, laying aside our rights and privileges, putting God first, not our preferences, valuing others above ourselves, value God above all things. That's real humility. Self-sacrifice. And they sort of go together. If we put others first and God first, Wendy, I think it was an encounter, one of her talks was, do we go to church for God or for ourselves? Because really, God wants us to go to church for him, not because it's interactive and it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. Unity, there we go again, that word on unity. And we had a talk on humility in unity. Can we put aside our personal preferences to be unified? And unity is such a strong word throughout the Bible. It's scripturally really strong. God wants us to be unified, to be in harmony, to live together. And the call on us, as you know, because you've heard it so many times, specifically the call on St. Leonard's is unity for such a time as this, that we worship together in unity. Another theme is Christian living. How do we do that? And that will come on to with rejoicing. How do we do Christian living? Part of that is all the things I've named and also rejoicing. And then coming on to today is joy. Joy and rejoicing being very almost the same. So I think if you have joy, 
you are able to rejoice. It's very funny, my mum's German and she, she knows Joy really well and she can't get your name right, can she? She always calls you Joy and actually that's so apt. <laughs> and um, and the Joy is one of the fruits, isn't it? And I'm nicking this directly from Peter Flory's sermon from this morning. So Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit and it's a very ripe fruit. It's one that hopefully we can get hold of quite readily, the joy of the Lord. And those that know me know probably that you'll know that of me, that I, I have the joy of the Lord. It comes to me quite readily. Self-control, hmm, working on it. But the joy of the Lord is, is a fruit that, you know, I'm able to gain access through, um, through the Holy Spirit. I've gone off peace already, see, I don't know where I am. Um, so what is joy, stroke, rejoicing? So dictionary definitions talk about contentment, serenity, peace, no matter what. The Hebrew is samach, which is rejoice, be glad, be joyful. So that's where we get rejoicing and joy being the same. And then the Greek is ka-ero, can't speak Greek, uh, show great delight while experiencing God's grace. Showing great delight while experiencing God's grace. So then you think, well, okay, how do I experience God's grace? We have that, don't we? Because we are saved. We have God's grace. That is one of the biggest, that is the biggest gift we've been given is our salvation. We have, we can experience God's grace. Therefore, it's a loop if you like, we can experience joy. Therefore, we can rejoice. So if rejoice is grace and joy, it's not just showing great joy or delight, but it's to experience God's grace at the same time. I'm repeating myself now. I've just gone back to my notes. So rejoice, have a guess. The words rejoice or joy, have a guess how many times they are mentioned in the Bible. Have a guess how many times the words joy or rejoice might be mentioned in the Bible. Good. Any offers on 300? Any offers? Paul. Yes, you. <laughs> Three fifty. Anyone else? Last, last, last chance. Malcolm. Uh, <laughs> oh, is somebody down there? Um, who's there? John's pointing to someone. Is it Esther? Who is it? How many times? 16. Oh, we've gone down. Actually, it's mentioned 430 times. 430 times. So happiness. How many times is happiness mentioned in the Bible? Dawn's scratching her head. Go on. How, what do you reckon? Let's say 412. 412. Any other offers, Oscar? Coming back to you. No. 56, 10, 10. So we're not talking about happiness here. 
We're not talking about happiness. So that dictionary definition of contentment, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Holy Spirit joy, Holy Spirit ability to be able to rejoice no matter what. And it's the no matter what that's difficult. And is it saying that we be rejoicing all the time and things are okay and we, we pretend as if things are okay no matter what? No, it's saying rejoice in the Lord no matter what. That is the difference. It's not just rejoicing and finding some warm, fuzzy feeling. Rejoicing in the Lord no matter what. So the context of the verse, and this is where I went down a bit of a rabbit hole because I got so interested in this, was Paul was in prison, I don't know how many, the third time now. They think he was in prison at this time, either in Ephesus or in Rome. And I looked up the prison, it's called the Man, Mana, I can't pronounce it, Maimatime or Mamatina because it's in Rome, prison. Um, Paul, could you, um, I think the second... Poor Paul, I sent him a whole load of things last night and he's so on it and he, he got them up for me. So, that is the prison. Now, that is the entrance to the prison. And can you see the steps there? Uh, sorry, there's a grid and those are steps going down. They were not there when Paul was in this prison. You see the hole? That's how Paul was put into the prison. That's how prisoners were put into the prison. Can you do the next picture, Paul, please? So that was the prison. It was dark. It was cold. They were lowered through a hole in the floor. They got food if they were lucky through, um, I don't know actually. It didn't, I tried to find out how did they get food because often prisoners were given food just because their friends came by to give them food. Um, and I don't know how he had light to write his letters to the Philippians, let alone how he had the joy to write his letters to the Philippians. And can you do the next? The, the, oh, so that was the hole that they were let through. So then the next one, Paul. That door. So often they were in these prisons because they were awaiting death. That door is where they would come down the holes and strangle them, behead them. Paul was later beheaded because he was, he was um, Jewish. So he was, and he was quite senior in the church before he became a Christian. So he was actually beheaded. They would take them through that door and throw their bodies out into the sewage system. So that is the sewage on the other side. And some of the commentaries I read... There was sewage in the prisons. So that's what they were sitting in. It says, again, Paul asked for a cloak because he was so cold. That was the only time he really asked for anything. As I say, somehow he got paper, he got light to be able to write things. They were quite often given a 100 lashes before being lowered into this. No medical attention. So this is Paul, and I can look at your faces, and I'm getting goosebumps, and sorry, Esther and Francesca, because you're young to hear this, but this, this is what it was. This is Paul talking about rejoicing. How was he able to do that? How was Paul able to talk about rejoicing? 
He knew that no matter what happened, Jesus was with him and in him. Jesus is with us and in us. Does that mean we are able to rejoice? Probably. We still find it really difficult. He knew who he was in Christ. He was sure of the core joy that Jesus had died for him. And again, this is nicked from um, Peter Flory this morning. Going back to, if we just go back to John 3.16, that's the core, isn't it? That's our core joy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for us and for our sins. And it's almost like that should be our core joy. That is our core joy. It should be our core joy. Is it our core joy? Do we access that? Do we know how to access that? And I'm going to go into the bit of the how because that is the tricky thing, isn't it, in the world? How do we do it? So I was, as I said to you, I kind of, I feel as if I have the gift of joy quite readily. I was on a plane coming back late late Thursday. And um, it was really, it was an easy jet flight. So we were like this. It was a five-hour journey. And the lady next to me, you know, we came in and landed. She woke up. We were chatting. Oh, gosh, wasn't that awful? That was so uncomfortable. The seats, and it was really hot, and we were delayed. You know, actually, no, we weren't delayed because Jess picked us up at one in the morning, bless her. But we were like, "Oh, this is really uncomfortable." And I thought, "Hang on a minute, what am I doing? I've just had an amazing holiday, <laughs> and I'm grumbling and complaining about a plane journey." So that is one of the things how we can access joy is about being careful. What do we grumble about? What do we complain about? Who has gone back to, who is going back to school or has gone back to school? One already gone back, Oscar? Going back? Going back? How do you feel about that, Neria? How do you feel about going to school? Good? Okay. Anybody like, mm. Choi, Choi's uh, uh, um, uh, Cressy at the back. I mean, that's the reality. Some of us might feel okay about it, and some of us, you know, not so, not so much. So, how can you go to school or go to your place of work or whatever that is, and have joy? How can you do that? So the Bible says, have gratitude in all things. This will lead us to joy. By having joy, we can rejoice. By having hope in all things and thanksgiving, we can have joy. So on that plane, I had a choice, and I missed it. I missed it. I was with this lady, I didn't know her, and I grumbled about the journey and the plane flight, that it was, you know, when you get that fidgety leg thing going on, I had that, it was really miserable, and it, but whatever, you know, I could have chosen, and actually, I did, because I'd done all this reading around this, in that moment, I said, right, Lord, I'm really sorry, I'm grumbling and complaining, I'm not being joyful, show me how to be joyful, do you know what, it didn't work, 
I couldn't access it in that moment, and it probably needed more repenting, more saying to Lord, please show me how. It's not easy. It's not easy. Bill Johnson, um, 10 days after his wife died, she died, I'd say, fairly young, too young probably for her, her age, and she died of cancer, and I think it was quite sudden. 10 days after she died, um, Bill Johnson gave a talk in his church, and he was able to say, focus on all God has done, on all God has done, and not on everything he hasn't done. How many times do we focus on the grumbling and the complaining and the situation? And my, my situation, my, that, my example I gave you was trivial. It was, a, it was an aeroplane ride. You know, talking to people, you know, even this morning, they've got, you know, somebody who might not make it to school because of mental health or somebody who's seriously ill. So how do you do that? It's not easy. It's not easy rejoicing in the Lord all the time. I feel as if I've missed out a bit. Let me go back. Psalm 64 verse 4 says, God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight. To, to enjoy and delight to his people. I think, Diana, when we prayed this morning, you talked about a sparkling stream, which was like, oh, wow, I've got that. So God has a constant, constantly flowing river. The flowing river is the river of life, the river of the Holy Spirit that we can access. But grumbling, complaining, it diminishes our ability to drink from this stream of living water. In fact, if we grumble and complain, it'll probably taste bitter to us. We need to cultivate our joy. We need to actively, intentionally work on accessing our joy and our rejoicing in the Lord because that enlarges us. That enlarges us. Those aren't my words. They're from Lynn Button. I love, I don't know if people listen to Lynn Button. I love her stuff. So how on earth can we be joyful if we've got a child who's suffering, if we've got a relative who's ill, if we ourselves might have depression? How can we be joyful? Is it possible, and this is maybe a question I'm going to ask you, is it possible to be happy, sad? You know how earlier I said I'm nervous-sighted, nervous and excited? Any ideas? Is it possible to be happy, sad, happy, stroke, sad? Olivia, I'm looking at you. Can you think of any situations as in happy, joyful, but and sad? Anybody? Can you anybody think of something? Go on, John. Uh, death of a loved one. Can you say more? Yes. So, lovely. Rejoice in their life, but you can be sad that they're gone, can't you? Um, and I, I mean, this is a, a really quite a personal example, but I think Joy was already with me. My, just shortly after my ninth birthday, I was at my own father's funeral. 
and he died very tragically, fairly traumatically. We had the wake at our home, and I was in my back garden, and I was doing somersaults. I was nine. I was doing roly-poly somersaults in the back garden. Somebody came out and told me off. What are you doing? This is a funeral. And yes, my dad had died too young. Of course he had. But it was almost my childlike joy was there. And I think sometimes we need to go back to a childlike joy to be able to access joy. Can we know that God will care for us through everything? Can we know that? Do we believe it? Do we trust that? And I'm, this is a question to me and to myself. In difficult times, do I look to worldly solutions or can I know that my Father in heaven loves me so much? He sent his son to die for me. Can I trust that? Can I believe in that? Oh, I can feel myself getting quite emotional. I didn't even know I was going to go there. So we can rejoice in sorrow and pain. They can coexist. It's not easy, but they can coexist. And again, Peter this morning said, it is joy and rejoicing is not the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. Joy is the presence of God, rejoicing in the Lord always. So what gets in the way? What gets in the way? Thess Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what's getting in the way of us rejoicing? Um, the Passion Translation says for, for this verse, let joy be your continual feast. Let joy be your continual feast. Again, how do we access that? So we might need to do a bit of spiritual housekeeping if we want to access God-given joy. And by that I mean saying sorry catching ourselves if we grumble and complain? Where have we let our own way, what we want, get in the way to what God wants for us? Where have we taken offense, grumbled and complained, been proud and stuck to our opinions doggedly because we believe so much in being right? So I would say, you know, we can ask God, can't we? If we can say, Lord, show me where my heart is hard, where do I have resentment, bitterness, where have I taken offense, soften my heart, talk to God about it, ask God to show you, so if there's a colleague at work or somebody at school and you really don't like them, Lord, show me how to see that person the way you see them, show me how to love them the way you love them, Jesus. That changes the perspective. Wendy talked the other week about praying from above. Pray from above with a God-like perspective. Can we pray from above? Lord, show me. Show me how to do this, how to love others, how to show me what to do in this situation. 
George MacDonald was a pastor in 1860. I didn't know who he was either. It says, attitude is more important than facts. So the facts might be someone has died too young. The facts might be someone has got, you know, a terminal illness. The facts might be a child has got mental, men mental health problems. What is going to be our attitude to that? Can we invite God in? Can we put God at the center? Nearly finished. You'll be, you'll be pleased to hear I'm on the last bit. So the spiritual housekeeping, talking to God, Father, show me what is hard in my heart. What do I need to get rid of? And then choose to walk in the opposite spirit. Choose to walk with joy and rejoicing in your hearts for the Lord, however difficult that situation. And again, my trivial, trivial example of the aeroplane, I didn't manage it in that moment, and probably I gave up. And can we also, coming back to that old chestnut, can we rejoice in unity? Can we rejoice in each other here this morning? So, I think the response today to this, and maybe, I don't know, Sam, I'll, I'll over to you where we go with this if we have a time of prayer and if you want to come and talk to us at the, at the end and we pray for you for a tricky situation where you're not able to access that joy. But the questions, you know, in response to this, what is getting in the way of us rejoicing? What is in our hearts that needs softening? Where do we need to say sorry? Lord, how shall I pray today? Not tomorrow, not the next day, today. How shall I pray today? And what is my part Lord, in today. What do you want for me for today? Amen.